you represent potential. And why I do what I do is because I know what potential is inside you. And my job is to help you know what potential is inside you. Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast, Tanya. You've had such an inspiring career, and I feel like it really showcases what it means to be guided by a purpose greater than yourself. I'm going to tell the audience a little bit about you. So Tanya Meesman is the founder of Girl Shape Flames and CEO of Unique You. After a career traveling the globe and mentoring young professional women for over two decades along the way, she returned to her home state with a commitment to developing the most confident, courageous and self-assured generations of girls Australia has ever seen. Through her original social enterprise, Girl Shape Flames, she's worked with over 4,000 teenage girls, their parents and educators, facilitating powerful mentoring, inspiring events and transforming courses specializing in confidence development for high school girls and courageous parenting. Her latest venture not-for-profit Unique You has been developed in response to the critical need to significantly increase the number of high school girls considering and pursuing inspiring unique career pathways in industries and roles underrepresented by women. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you, Lauren. (laughs) This is awesome. As you know, we chatted beforehand. I was very excited to get you on the podcast because you've had such an amazing career and I feel a career where you're giving back a lot. You started your career in marketing and media and then you've gone on and done some amazing work with Girl Shaped Flames and Unique You. Looking back on your career, can you think back on some of those moments that really shaped you and what led you down this path? Because we chatted about it before. Mm. It's not something that just happens. It's a process. So, tell us more about that. Yeah. Look, Certainly where I am now is a departure from the careers I set myself up for when I started. Because as you say, I worked in advertising and branding communications for about 10 years. And then I moved over into film production and I was in production and producing for about 12 years. Mm. So really, I think that your question around what have I done to feel my way through this journey and where I am now with Girl Shape Flames and Unique You would have really been, and this I was so thrilled that you invited me to come and talk on the building doors in particular and and listening to the premise underneath it because one of the things I'm most proud of is that I look for doors everywhere and I find them and I shove them (laughs) (laughs) or if it's not there I like to think I just make a door and go through it so any of the times of junctures of my life one particular one I talk about a lot is when I was in high school uh, really, really wanting to go to Bond University, but single parent family couldn't afford the fees. Mm. And my physics teacher at the time encouraged me to apply for a scholarship. Mm. And so at the time I was hesitant, but then once I did apply for it, there was nothing that was going to stand between me and getting that scholarship. And mm. sure enough, I got it. I went to Bond. I milked it for everything it was worth. <laughs> I put all opened all the doors that I could. I remember actually going up to my marketing lecturer and I was, you know, I was like, 
I was 17 when I actually started at Bond because they start quite early. Hmm. But I must have been 18. And I remember going up to his office very early in my marketing class with him, knocking on the door and saying, hi, I'm Tanya. And at the time, Andrews. I'm Tanya Andrews. And I am going to absolutely nail this class. So I, I need to know from you what it is that I need to do to do that. And sure enough, I did. And I topped my degree and all the rest of it. So I've spent my life looking for, finding, pushing open or creating doors where I've wanted to go and things that I have been interested in. Yes. And so that's why when you look at my career, there's been this journey, but yeah. it's all been driven by me, I like to think. Yep. I yep. Hope. <laughs> it's interesting as well because you talk about, and I, I see that from even just our discussions, that you do find you don't wait, right? Mm. You create that mm. opportunity. If there's something missing, and we've talked about this before, if there's something missing or a gap, mm. you go out and seek to create something that fits that gap or fills that gap. Mm. I'm interested, what was it that drove you to focus? Because your last couple of decades have been on empowering girls. Mm. Where did that come from? Um, you know, I get that asked that question a lot and part of me wants to always say, I don't know. <laughs> the other part of me is like, no, I, to be honest, I've probably, when I talked to some of my girlfriends back in high school, I often was the, the sit quietly and have the deep and meaningful coachy type person. Mm. And I think it came from a place of pragmatism that my mom very much instilled in me and objectivity, which was around, why are you feeling disempowered about this thing? you're you, you're incredible. Do you not remember all these things that you've done? You absolutely have this in you. Maybe if you just do A, B or C, then you'll be able to do it. And then my friends mm. would be like, oh, and then off they would go and do whatever <laughs> high school related thing it was. So I think I've done that all my life. And then every time I would be at different companies, I would end up younger, not even just younger, but when women more so would be sort of drawn to me because I would sit there and quite pragmatically get them to mm try to put aside the nervousness and the self-doubt and the questioning and instead look at what do we know and what, what mm. is possible and how could you move forward. So I think I've been doing it all my life yeah. and just not, not super formally. And then it was when, so I did those first two careers and then I moved back to Australia, continued filmmaking, and then we started our family mm. and decided to move back up to Queensland because I'm a Queenslander, born and bred, <laughs> and moved back up to Queensland in order to have, you know, quality of life, balance, yeah. all the things they talk about. And I was, I got a job as head of branding and communications at Queensland Academies, which mm -hmm. is a set of three international baccalaureate high schools mm -hmm. um, here in Queensland. And it was during that time I, I had the privilege of being able to interact with very frequent frequently, not only young girls in mm. high school, but also their parents. Mm. And that was where I was quite concerned about a very unnerving pattern I was starting to see in the way that girls felt about themselves and then subsequently how they would behave. And mm. that's around um, holding themselves back from opportunity, mm. being concerned about what people think of them, not coping with failure very well. Mm. And then I was also seeing parents feeling quite at a loss as to how do I help? And I've never parented in this type of environment before. What am I supposed to do and how do I help? That The final tipping point to create Girl Shape Flames really came from two girls I was actually mentoring at the time, someone who used to be at my exec at my film company and then my exec at the academies. And I was watching these girls in the early 20s still really hold themselves back from opportunity. And I would say, you could go out to this networking event on behalf of us, take a stack of business cards, meet some people. Mm. And the response would be like, oh God, I can't do that. Like, no, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. What if this happens? And I'd go, 
what? <laughs> like this is, go, go forward, do these things. You're great. You know what you're doing. So I think that was a tipping point where I really thought to myself, I feel like I just want to do something about this. And I don't come from a place of, oh gosh, I grew up with no confidence and then magically I found confidence and now I want everyone to find confidence. Mm-hmm. I grew up, I came out like this. I was, <laughs> I was, you know, the center of attention from the very beginning. But instead, what I share with the girls and their parents is that that has afforded me an incredibly rich life yeah. by having that internal yes. self-belief and confidence. Mm. I have gone up to doors, created doors, bash doors open, mm. and I wouldn't have changed a thing. And so I stand in front of girls and I say to them, my hope for you is that you can get to my age and you can look back on all the years that have gone by and think to yourself, damn, I'm proud of myself. Mm. Damn, I went and shut those doors. <laughs> I made my choices. I did my decisions. So that's really where Girl Shape Flames came from because I decided there's more me's out there. So surely I could get a bunch of awesome women to help girls understand what's inside them. Yep. And through us using that power of the brain's trust and and all of that sort of coaching and support, mm. We can make sure that this next generation and generations to come of girls genuinely believe what they are capable of mm. and then go out and do mm. it. Yeah. I love that. That was a super long answer. Sorry about no, that. I <laughs> love that. There's so much good content in it, though. I think the long answers are often the best answers. <laughs> I love what you talk about, and we both have children similar ages, and it is parenting is just that kind of thing you you never know if you're doing it quite right you know you kind of go I think this is landing I did read in a book here that this is the way to manage this situation but I'm really interested as researching a little bit around the courageous parenting you talk about because I think a lot of listeners are parents and you know if I know a lot of my friends that have teenagers information that their daughters and sons or daughters are seeing on social media a lot of them have even asked me I don't know how to navigate this. Or, mm. and I, so I'm really interesting. Tell us more around that courageous parenting. Yeah. So courageous parenting is a concept which subsequently now is a program that myself and Dr. Diane Hanna, who is a neuroscientist and a counsellor, mm. we run that together. And it came about because Di has been doing what she does for a long time and she interacts very directly with both parents and young people. Mm-hmm. And I had been running Girlship Flames for a number of years and was – There, first and foremost, for the girls. That's always been my priority. But before and after all the events I was running, I would be having endless conversations with parents who are really concerned. And it goes back to what I was saying before around them sort of going, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. And this is very different to when I grew up and things like that. So COVID had hit. Parents were suffering even more. Suddenly, Mm. we've got uh, relationships that are already compounded (laughs) through the teenage years, then being shut in four walls. And then technology, which had been attempted to be so controlled up until that point, suddenly there was no control because this was all we had. And we just saw a lot of distress coming up very quickly. So Mm. we decided, well, what is it that we would do or say to try to help parents right now? Mm. And one of the hardest, (laughs) this is a marketing concept, but you know the marketing concept, tell them what they want, give them what they need. Mm. And for all of you who will ever come and do my courageous parenting program, sorry, I'm about to give away the game here. But what we all want is we want this close relationship with our child. We want to feel needed and loved. We want to feel as though we can protect them and keep them safe. Mm. Those are all the things that we want. We want to be connected. We want to have conversations. Much of that goes out the window during the teenage years. What we need as parents is the confidence and the courage to ride that journey without 
becoming the parents who clamp down Mm. and panic and think that we're losing them and therefore we should hold them tighter and become more controlling, think that there's so much danger and that we need to up the ante on the safety tenfold and so on and so forth. Or the parents who get looser. Mm. Oh, you know, if I say no, I may lose her. Mm. Our relationship may end. Mm. She might go out and do all the bad things and it'll be terrible. And so it takes a lot of courage to be the parent who says no and holds boundaries. Mm. It also takes courage to be able to step back and understand, all right, she's not communicating with me right now. That doesn't mean she hates me or I've lost her altogether. Mm. It means she's going through a very natural teenage development phase. Mm. Here is how I can support her. Mm. So what we put together was a program that helps parents understand their daughter's behavior from a neurological, a psychological, hormonal kind of landscape, but then also understand their own reactions to her behaviors and be able to unpack that, but also make peace with, yes, we're human, we're allowed to have feelings too, but we're also the grown-ups who have developed brains and emotional theoretically emotional regulation, but (laughs) let's be honest, that's not prevalent in all of us. But we wanted to basically be able to give parents all the tools and the knowledge and the understanding they need to be able to be brave in that moment, Mm. to not rush in and save their daughter every time she seems to need saving because she actually doesn't and she can benefit from not being saved sometimes. Mm. But then also being the parent who can put their foot down and say, these are our boundaries, these are our values, and that's how it's going to be. And they are there to make sure that you've got some sort of guide in your life. And Mm. those boundaries will widen as you get older, but right now here's where they are. And I think it's interesting as well, when you were going into schools and seeing this lack of confidence with girls, is there a difference in how we're parenting boys and girls? What is causing this? Because this is something, Mm. do you see a difference in how we're doing it? Look, studies show it starts from birth, the difference wow. between how we treat boys and girls, the yeah. softness of our voice, the sing song that we do with girls versus with boys, the way we compliment girls on how pretty and cute they look and we compliment boys on how strong and tough they are. Mm. One of the things that I read once upon a time that really stuck with me was a writer did an article about how they were at the playground and they watched a parent with a daughter who was, say, four or five years old. Mm-hmm. And the daughter wanted to climb up onto the playground. And, you know, you've got yours is about five, four or five, mine's five, my yep. oldest. And so they're still at the stage where you're a bit like, oh, God, like they're <laughs> going to go. It's going to happen. We're going to be at the hospital. And with the girls, the language and the approach was, careful, careful, put your foot, make sure you hang on a second, let me grab you, or let me lift you, don't, hey, hang on, watch out, oh, careful. With the boys, it was put your foot up here, there you go, push, see, and then grab mm. up there, lift yourself around, hold on, there you go, and there you, there you are, you're up. Wow. And you do see it. You do see it in the playground. I'm always conscious of it with my daughter as well, is letting them have that opportunity to take risks and explore and sometimes, yeah, fall over, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, so it starts very, very early on. Then when we get into the teenage years, unfortunately, and look, I'm not, and I am the parent of two boys, ironically, but I am in no way going to say that boys are not negatively affected in their confidence mm. at the moment. And in fact, it's an increasing problem that we have. Yeah. It's just that girls' stats are higher and they're growing at a more alarming rate. Right. We're alarmed by both, but the girls are a spikier graph. Now, the thing is, though, 
social media, which is also playing a role with boys' confidence, but with girls' confidence, we already had the embedded societal expectations about girls' appearance, behavior, Mm -hmm. manners, caring, all these types of things. Social media has taken everything in our world, in our society, in our experience and amplified it. Mm. So if you can imagine back when we were going through school, Mm. you had to deal with the stuff between nine and three Mm. and then you got to escape it and you got to go home and just be you and not have to worry about it being in your face all the time. Now, not only is it in their face all the time, it's coming from all angles and globally. And so... From a girl's perspective, this idea of societal expectations on her has now been turned up to about a thousand. Yeah. And it's very hard for them to escape. And so what we see then is lots and lots of second guessing, internalizing. Di has a lot of fantastic psychological concepts that she talks our parents through to do with the imaginary audience, Mm. egocentric uh, existence where they think everything's about them. So it's just a recipe for disaster essentially. Mm. And then you layer on top of that, and I say this with love parents, but then we have a generation like our age and and a bit older who didn't grow up with all these things Mm. and are not sure how Mm. we're supposed to navigate it. How much is too much screen time? What should they be allowed to do? How old should they be on social media? When should I be worried? There's all this talk about cutting and there's all this talk about bodies are small fear and so on and so forth. Like this is all very new. What do we do? And so it's very, very hard. It's really hard. But that's, again, why I kind of do what I do to try to be a a small cog in the system trying to help help the girls. And I love that because you've seen a need and as we've discussed before, you've built a door and you've created a business that meets a need that for our young girls. Mm. And one of the things I'm interested in as well is recently I've seen a lot of businesses promoting working with you. So mm-hmm. um, companies, and I've always been interested, how does that work? So what is that, what is some of the work that you're doing? You're doing the work in the schools with the girls, but what about with the companies? Tell us more about that. Well, that's related to my other organization, so Unique You, yes. um, which is a not-for-profit that I started, we're going on nearly two years ago now. And I'm really, really proud of it, actually. It came from, well, essentially what it is, is it's a it's a career advisory platform that allows girls in grades 9 through 12 to book video calls with women working in, there's 10 industries at the moment that are the lowest when it comes to gender equality, gender mm-hmm. representation. So, you know, we've kind of got construction and mining and energy sector and water and agriculture and so on and so forth. And where this came from was I was running, right before COVID, I was running an Industry Ignite Partnership program. Mm -hmm. That had evolved out of a number of women coming on as special guests to work with the girls through Girl Shape Flames. We were doing panels and mentoring and stuff like that. And they kept saying to me, oh, I just love to bring the girls in and show them what I do and where I work. Like it would be, it would just help them really understand how cool it is and how interesting. So I was like, hmm, that sounds cool. Maybe we could do that. And so I started this Industry Ignite program. And so fantastic companies like Urban Utilities and Schedulo and um, Deloitte and uh, QFES, Queens of Fire Emergency Services. When I went to them and said, I'd love to actually bring some girls in, Mm. meet your women, see the place. They were very quick to say, that sounds great. That sounds like a really good idea. So we did that for a while. We had about 500 girls visit, I think it was about 15 companies in the end, as well as parents and educators. 
all to connect them with this concept of what's out there, what's the possibilities, mm. and meet the women who are out there doing all these fantastic things. When COVID hit, that was a very quick goodbye to the Industry Ignite Partnership Program. Um, however, what remained was a set of really engaged schools who recognised that this was a fantastic opportunity for girls to see what's out there and, and broaden their horizons. A lot of companies recognising that actually high school is where we need to start. It mm. took a long time for me to get them to, to hear that conversation <laughs> with me where you can't stand at the graduating gates and try to catch all the girls. <laughs> it's, and too late. You come and it's too late because they're not there. We already know the, the statistics around you know women graduating. When COVID hit, I sat and looked at it and went, well, you know what, if you take away the sexy fire fighting demonstrations of the big fire. I took them out and we got to see one of these like 50-foot fire demonstrations. It was incredible. And uh, you take away the 34th floor of the Deloitte building and you take away all those things, what's left is actually what was the point of all of those events, which was to connect the girls with the women. Yeah. And my favourite moments in these events, whether I take women into the schools to speak to 200 girls at a time or we would be out on a big excursion, my favourite moments was when all of the formalities were finished and a couple of girls would go and pull aside a firefighter or a police officer or a, sci a biomedical scientist over at um, Urban Utilities and they would rapid-fire questions at them being like, is it really like this and what about that and blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking later, yeah, that's what it's about because if a girl, you think about us anytime where, and you know, in your space, people who are looking at their careers and changing directions and things, you have a set of questions that are bespoke to you mm. and they represent often barriers that are stopping you from making that decision or moving forward. Mm. So what if in high school we could answer those questions mm. and take down those barriers one by one so that a girl looking at a potential pathway could think to herself, Maybe I will step forward into that. Maybe mm. I will look at how I move forward. Mm. And that's where Unique U came from. It's a virtual platform. Uh, the, the schools at that time were all coming online, uh, which was a blessing. And I just said, well, you know what? Why don't we facilitate those connections? Mm. They can be one-on-one. -on -one, they can be small groups. They can be whole classes if needs be. But if we do that and we do it in a scalable way, mm. we start talking about actually being able to start changing these statistics because at the moment not to discredit some of the fantastic initiatives that are out there mm. but they can be quite siloed and they can have rich impact don't mm. get me wrong rich impact but we're talking about 20 girls at a time 10 girls at a time maybe 40 50 girls at a time mm. but industries that are sitting at seven percent female representation even 15, 30%, mm. we're not going to change those numbers with 20 girls at a time. We have to change them with 200, 2,000, 20,000 girls. And that's when we start seeing those numbers. Yes. So I wanted to come up with a scalable model where we could have impact that was actually going to change the game. And then the second thing that's really important to me was regional accessibility. So mm. I mentioned earlier, I'm a Queenslander. I grew up in Yapoon. Mm-hmm up in central Queensland, and we had nothing, you know, growing up. We didn't have role models, opportunities, all these kinds of things. Yep. And so I really wanted something that girls in Yapoon, Mount Isa, Tully could jump on and speak to an engineer, a construction worker, an aviation specialist, and they could broaden their horizons and they mm. weren't just captivated to their existence in their smaller country areas. And that, I'm really proud of that. We've got, I think we're up to about, 
actually we're about to bring on after a very successful fundraising event we're about to bring on an extra 22 schools which will take us up to almost 50 schools across Queensland wow. yeah. that will be utilizing the service next year and yeah we've got 22 incredible companies nearly 100 women on the platform mm. and I'm really proud of it and I um I feel like it's if I can add one more thing I know this is a really long answer but one thing I wanted to talk about because our focus so far has been talking so much about the girls it's also about the women and when I found you talk about doors and pushing doors open I was standing in front of the potential unique u-shaped door and what it meant was taking on another business creating another business from scratch a not-for-profit I have no experience in running not-for-profits doing it during COVID like we were still smack bang in the middle of COVID Yep. And everyone's looking at me going, you are bonkers. <laughs> you want to do teenage girls, technology, male-dominated industries during COVID? Yeah, have at it. And I was standing there looking at the door going, hmm, hmm. And then I, as part of the preparation for coming up with UniQ, I sent out a survey on LinkedIn. It was only up for four days. And I had 110 women who work in unique or male-dominated or non-traditional industries and roles. I had them all answer the survey. And one of the questions was, what difference would a service like UniQ have made for you when you were in high school? And I always joke that I was brought up in a Rhodesian and South African household. And so they're not terribly well known for their emotional <laughs> openness. So it's a fairly robust household and, and stoic. And I tell you what, after reading 110 responses mm. from fully grown, mature, intelligent women, it was 110 15-year-olds on the page saying I would have felt more sure of my decision-making. I wouldn't have felt like such an outsider. I would have made choices that I should have made 20 years ago. I would have believed and trusted my gut instinct, answer after answer after answer. And I had to pour myself a pretty stiff drink by the end of it because I just thought you could just feel all of their decades of journeys and experiences. And I just thought, if I can find a way to appreciate them first and foremost and for everyone to recognize them yes. and build that visibility and build that understanding of the journey they've been on. But if they, if I can also then give them the opportunity to reach back down, how we all talk about it these days with ladders and things, and impact and influence and encourage mm. and empower the next generation of girls in a way that was never offered to them, mm. then I think that is one of the greatest things that I could possibly try to achieve. And and that's what we've gone and done and that's what I'm proud of. Do you know what I love that you've shared? And it's interesting, you've got that common theme that you see saw through um, that questionnaire and I see it in the women that I interview mm. for executive roles every day. Mm. And one of the things that I love that you shared there is you saw the door, right? Mm. I feel like there's this misconception that people have, and particularly women, that you've got to be 100% ready mm. before you walk through that door, right? That self-doubt isn't there. I mean, yeah. even for someone, as you've described yourself, mm. as confident, mm. you still had that moment where you went, okay, I, I've never run a not-for-profit before. This is a big door. To- it's a big door. <laughs> it's COVID. You know, there's all of that. 
tell us a bit about, because I think this is important. I think a lot of the time we talk about the great stuff and that is important too. Mm. But tell us about some of the doubts mm, that I you've like overcome because, because I want people to see that even someone that has done so many successful things like yourself, mm. we all still have doubts and we push through them. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Every day has some form of doubt in it. And, oh, God, all the doubts. Like, well, girl-shaped flames was hard from the beginning because mm. I'm not I'm not a natural you and I talking about it before you know I'm not a one of those accidental entrepreneurs I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't actually have entrepreneurship in my jo- in my blood what I have is an insatiable need for problem solving and I'm really stubborn and so once I see a problem I'm like well I'm just going to keep at it until I go some way in, in helping solve it and so you know girl shape flames was very hard from the get go and then COVID hit. I had self-doubt going into all of that because I'm not an educator, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a counsellor, I'm not even a parent of a teenage girl. <laughs> Many of the people who know me who may listen to this will be thinking, oh, yeah, I remember sitting there, Tanya sitting there being like, I'm not even a parent of a teenage girl, what right do I have? So I've doubted a lot of those things. I have, every time you start a new thing, there are bumps along the way and you start out with this dream and then it doesn't quite get realized and you question everything and go, what did I do wrong? And, and is this even meant to be unique? You, I was lucky in that, not lucky. I worked very hard. Um, I try to get, make sure that girls and women don't say that too much. I was lucky, but I worked very hard in all of the research leading up to unique you. It was Mm. a very well-informed business idea and and need that it was meeting. Mm. However, you still get into it and, you have various conversations with people and you start thinking, oh, goodness, you know, is this even going to work? And the education sector this year has had the worst, unprecedented is the word that has been used so many times this year, the worst year ever. Mm. We launched an education system-based service right when the education sector has essentially fallen apart. Yeah. And so talk about my timing, <laughs> <laughs> launching COVID, da-da-da. And so, yeah, so there's definitely self-doubt I imagine the next part of the question is what do I do about it? Yeah. Just knowing you and, and hearing you talk, you, I feel you have an immense amount of resilience. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can just see that. And you had that from a young age. Yeah. So I think when you have those self-doubts, what is it that propels you to keep going? Well, the first thing, as I mentioned earlier, just stubbornness because I'm a bit of a pain in the bum like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't let things go. But I, I would also say... I mentioned earlier, my mum brought me up with a good dose of pragmatism. So I think when I start feeling myself getting all wobbly, I try to go back to facts and I try to go back to what do I know that got me here in the first place? Why am I even here? Where has been the support so far? Mm. I also I problem solve a lot. So I get into it and I go, okay, so education sector is having a, a nana at the moment. We can't get into any educators. It's getting very difficult. Where else do we go? What do we do? How does this work? And I start just sort of problem solving as best I can. I have a select group of confidants basically that I'll reach out to mm. and they don't have to be people that I speak to super regularly or that I've known for a very long time. Sometimes they're just people that I know know more than me about the thing I'm struggling with. Mm. And one of my probably superpowers is that I'm really not afraid to pick up the phone and I try to embed that to many of the girls that I work with in going – you need to just reach out to someone who knows more than you about something. Mm. And so many of the times that I have doubted or I've felt things are going wrong, 
I usually, I'll have a little bit of a pity party for a while. Don't get me wrong. And there's <laughs> wine and there's ice cream and all sorts of things. I often escape to the movies to just like pretend it's not happening. But usually what happens is by the end of the movie, like before the credits are rolling, I've got my notepad out and I'm scribbling down all the ideas I've had while I've been decompressing in the movie. I'm like, right, okay, this is what we're going to do. Blah, 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 off we go. So I think if it's for anyone else who gets feels quite impacted by that feeling of self-doubt and worry and what if it all goes wrong. It is biting things off one piece at a time. Mm. You can't solve a problem in its entirety in one go. You have to break it down and go, well, what is the little sticking point? It is reaching out for help and advice and support. Mm. I don't think we do that enough as women. No, and if I think of the people that I have even recently placed that maybe wanted four days or transitioning industries, you know what? They didn't reach out to me. Mm. They were referred to me or someone gave them Mm. a push. And I would just love to see more people, Mm. more women Mm. reaching out and going, reaching out to you or reaching Mm. reaching out to you and saying, hey, come to our workplace. Yeah. Yeah, we want to engage with young women. Reaching out to me and saying, hey, I'm I'm looking for to transition industries. Mm. What can I do? And that's what Building Doors is all about is going, if it's not there, don't Mm. be scared to create it. Yeah. Um, There's going to be those doubts. Yeah. Um, and you're going to need to push through. Mm. You talked a little bit there around reaching out for help. And I love mentors. I'm mm. a big advocate for it. And I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that I have been able to do without it, mm. you know, because they do give you that little push and they're those people you can call. Yeah. Who are some of your key mentors in your life? And I know that they will, don't be offended if you're not, you know, because there's probably so <laughs> many, but some that have left an impact. And share with us a bit what that impact was that they left with you. Oh, goodness me. Um When I was in the UK and I was working across advertising and film, there were, I wasn't acutely aware of gender inequality for much of my life because I, I'm sort of one of those just get in and get the job done. Mm. And because I am a self-confessed overachiever, I usually was one of the better people in the room. Mm. And so I didn't sit there counting how many boys and how many girls were there. I was like, well, I'm better than most of you, so I'm okay. Don't worry. Um, I got we had this. a great group in my graduate program at DDB where all the girls would try to kick the boys' ass um, in all of our assignments. But I think back to the UK, and I definitely had two female managers at two of the different places I worked who were – you talk about doors, creating and pushing open doors. I remember watching them, and it felt very – normal and correlated to me. I just was a bit like, yeah, I mean, if I was in their position, I'd be doing the same thing. And I would watch them and they would make sure they were in the meetings. They would make sure that their ideas were being heard. They would make sure that the decisions that they were making were stuck to. And I do remember seeing that and thinking, yeah, like that's it. That's Mm. how you do it. The journeys that I've been on with Girl Shaped Flames and uh, Unique You have really, as I said, these are spaces, it's entrepreneurship, it's running not-for-profits, it's things that I've, I had never done till five, six years ago. So in that way, I've had many different mentors along the way and, and supporters, a key, key supporter and, and one of the people who, without, I doubt, Uniki would actually exist is actually our mutual friend, Sarah Zelko, um, because her and her daughter had been involved with Girl Shaped Flames for a number of years. And when I was standing there looking at that Uniki-shaped door, it was her and I that had coffee and I was like, there's something here and her kind of going, well, is it shiny object or is it a real thing? I was like, no, it's a real thing. And she's like, well, then you do it. And people like Sarah, people like, well, Faith Reese has mentored me over the whole, all my girl-shaped flames years as well. She's the CEO of Six Pivot and um, Cloud Control. 
I have male mentors as well. So Matt Lee's the chair of the board now and, and he's been a big supporter of mine the last couple of years. Mm. Wayne Gerrard's been helping me a lot with the entrepreneurship side of things, which is terrifying um, to navigate. So I think, like I say, I'm not shy to pick up the phone and call people. Mm. Um, and in fact, a good example is, so Cherie Curtis, in February of this year, I recognized that one of the things I was having trouble navigating was being a CEO and a board director and trying to navigate that whole space. And I'd never been on a board before. I didn't even know how they worked. And that was another credit to Sarah who taught me everything I know so far about boards. And so it had been suggested to me, why don't you get a coach of some sort? And I was like, goodness, who would I even ask? But that thought lasted for 30 seconds. And then I thought, Cherie Curtis. Now, I had met Cherie once. We had had a coffee about two, three years ago. And she'd been giving me some advice about something or other. I'd made one phone call to her in those years to talk about inviting her to come and do something with the girls. But she had just stuck in my mind as someone who I immediately got along with really well. Mm. She's got a fantastic sense about her. She's very experienced in the space that I needed help in. Mm. And so for all those listening, 50 points, if you guessed it, I just called her. I literally mm. picked up the phone. I was like, hi, I don't know if you remember me. <laughs> we last spoke about three years ago, but I need some help with A, B, or C is there any way that I could possibly carve out some of your time to mentor me? Mm. And lo and behold, she has been once a month all year. So I love that you said Sarah because Sarah had been <laughs> having a, a coffee with me once a month and just, and you know, these women, these women are amazing that do this, mm. you know, and this is, this is the secret as well. Pass it on, mm. pass your knowledge, you know, pass that legacy on because mm. We talked a lot about girls as well, but it's also about encouraging, mm. you know, other women mm. um, and supporting other women. So I love that you've mentioned mm. one that was mutual mm. and then a whole bunch of awesome mentors that you've had that have influenced your life. One of the things I'm interested in as well, if we've got time, mm -hmm. is a big thing in um, that's being discussed at the moment in the construction industry, um, in um, the male-dominated industries, and, and we, there's a huge push for diversity. And we've talked about mm. intervening early, which absolutely mm. makes sense. Do you have some ideas or thoughts around what workplaces should be doing in the here and now as well? Oh, my goodness, all the things. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> it's really, it's just, it's very, very multifaceted as a landscape. There are a lot of things to consider there's not a lot of ground that hasn't already been trod. Mm. I think the real difference is the companies that actually do it. Yeah. So it's one thing to say, we've got a diversity inclusion policy. It's like, great, you've got four bits of paper. What are you doing? Do the women inside your organization actually feel mm. heard, considered, visible, mm. respected, mm. included? Mm. Are you actively trying to pull down barriers that stand between them and equitable treatment and consideration. So I think it's less about what are the ideas because there's lots of ideas. And yeah. It is well-trodden landscape. It's the doing them. Yeah. That's the challenge. And companies really need to commit and do. And sometimes that's the bit that gets hard. Yeah. And that's where it falls over a little bit. Yep. I see it because it's mm. all great to have this diversity inclusion policy, but what's being implemented? Mm. What's happening? How do the people on the ground feel? How do the people in the business yeah. feel? And has it been informed by your staff as well, which mm. again gets a bit hard because you feel like it's a string that you're going to pull out and everything's going to come out and some of it you don't really want to hear. You just want to get on with business. Mm. But at the same time, if everyone feels heard and considered at least, mm. then you're already taking 
huge leaps towards creating an environment that actually does feel equitable and empowered. So I think that's a really big thing. I think the other thing, if I'm going to throw in my two cents, is that men need to stay part of the movement and part of the empowerment. (laughs) And that's why, you know, Matt and I, Matt Lee and I connected years ago. Faith actually introduced us. And we had a really impassioned discussion around the role men need to play in all of this. Mm. It can't just be, oh, it's a women's thing. And we all go along to our women's breakfasts and lunches and things. It's Mm. actually not. You guys still hold so many of the reins at the top. You still do. We know the numbers. They're all there. So you guys have a responsibility Mm. to actually make those changes Mm. and get those opportunities there and that visibility. And so, yeah, that's my other side of things. I always say with great power comes great responsibility, Mm. right? So if you So did Spider-Man's uncle, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man does. You can tell I watch a lot of children movies, right? I'm like, my quotes are from Cocomelon and Spider-Man. But I I, I think as well, you're right, you need the male champions of change. You need those people that are going to speak up for you. And maybe if you're feeling in a boardroom and there's, you know, hey, what do you think? Encourage all voices to be heard. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't feel like I've ever had that problem either. I'm also quite outspoken, <laughs> but I can resonate with people that may not be, and I think it's about encouraging everybody to have a yeah. say as well. Yeah. So this is a big question, but I, I reckon you're, you're apt to answer it. What do you want the legacy to be for your life's work? So if you're looking back on everything you've achieved so far, what's the legacy you hope you leave? Mm, goodness. Um Feel free to use Spider-Man quotes. <laughs> <I've> already. <laughs> it's probably going to be Blippy or Minecraft in my household. Um, when I do sessions with the girls, whether it's at camp or it's at schools, wherever it is, I'll often towards the end say to them, look, you're going to have to bear with me here because I'm going to sound like your mom or someone similar, hopefully cool aunt. <laughs> but it is an absolute honour to stand here and work with you because you represent potential. And why I do what I do is because I know what potential is inside you. And my job is to help you know what potential is inside you. Now, it's an impossible job because we can't know something that is invisible and it's not measurable until it's actually executed. And that's Mm. when you can measure Mm. where the potential got you. So you're going to have to believe just like I believe in you. So if my life's work amounts to helping girls understand, recognize, harness, trust in and execute what they are capable of and what their potential is, then I'm done. I love that. Oh, just so good. Okay, and now we're ready for the rocket <laughs> oh, round. Oh, wait, I wrote down, where's my answers? I wrote down my answers and now I've taken them away. I'll have to remember them. I'll try to remember them. Oh, I think you'll remember them. Okay. And, and if not, we've got time. It's, oh, it's, it's a rocket round. All right. It's on a time for one minute. No, I'm, I'm just ready. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Talk really fast. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, Favourite book? Oh, what did I say? Oh, The Big Leap, Gay Hendricks. Love it. Yeah. Everyone read it. It's okay. about your zone of genius. Oh, mm. I'm going to read that. I'm mm. learning so many books from this podcast. Mm. Uh, holiday destination. Granada in Spain. Mm. I haven't been there. Cats mm. or dogs? Dogs. <laughs> well, someone's going to say, no one said cats yet. No, well, there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> coffee or wine? Wine. I don't drink coffee. Okay. But I do drink wine. Red. <laughs> Shiraz specifically if anyone's buying me gifts. <laughs> White Christmas or summer Christmas? 
I'm going to say summer Christmas. I had seven white Christmases over in the UK and I love them, but can't go past having Christmas at the beach. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, what podcast are you listening to right now? Well, I'm going to listen to this one, obviously. Oh, good. As soon as Thanks it hits. for the plug. <laughs> um, but look, I think we were chatting about, I'm right into, I'm, I've joined the true, true crime movement. So I'm into one at the moment called Hoaxed. And it's the same people who did Sweet Bobby, which is also another excellent um, podcast. So it's all about a, a big UK conspiracy theory um, yes. from back in 2014. I need to listen to that now because you told me a little bit about it before and it sounds really interesting. Yeah. Uh, what makes you feel like you're home? Oh, <laughs> I was going to get all sappy and see my kids, but it's actually the mess that my kids have created <laughs> is when I know that I have arrived home. Stripping over a piece of Lego. Yeah, you know, just getting the stuffed toys from out of the garden now they've been rained on, now they have to be washed. So then I'm like, I'm home. Aww. <laughs> Yay, my other Yay. job's here. Okay, look, I have absolutely loved having you on the podcast. Thanks, it's been awesome. It's been inspiring, but also so much fun. And that's always nice. what it's like chatting with you. So yeah, thank you so much. And Thank I really you. hope that this inspires somebody that's listening because then we've achieved our purpose. But tell the listeners more about how we can support you. So how can organizations that want to do work with Unique You support you? Yeah, how can people reach out to you and tell us more about how we can help? Yeah, absolutely. Well, from a UniQ standpoint, we are always looking at corporate partners who might want their women to be involved in the platform as advisors. And so they do need to be in those male-dominated yes. industries, all the information's on our website. But also we, we're always looking for people to sponsor schools so they can get access. Mm. Schools who want to access us, um, you know, whether they're paying for it or not around Queensland at the moment, but we will be going national over the next two years. And anyone who just would love to spread the word about us and support, that's usually the best way to help us with Unique You. I'm always happy to come and do talks and speak to companies and so on and so forth. Um, and then from a girl-shaped flame standpoint, you know, we were into schools a lot. So if you have a teenage daughter in high school and you think that it would be valuable to get me along and work with the girls and speak with the girls there, then just girlshapeflames.com is the website. There's a contact form there. And other than that, yeah, just believe in our girls and give them all the opportunities that we can. That's probably the best thing you can do for me right now. <laughs> Love that. Thanks, Tanya. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.